Hey, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. Welcome back. Yeah. Off a little bit. I know. We missed last week. I missed you guys. Every time we miss, I'm like, there's something, there's a rhythm missing from my life. And it is this podcast. Yes. This is episode 37. It's The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Yes. And that is actually the title of a book that uh, my new friend, Rosaria Butterfield, wrote. We have her as a guest, but we're going to say hi to her in a second. But first, who was that voice who just talked? (laughs) That was producer Steve. It was me. Hello. (laughs) And my name is Lori Krieg. And in addition to producer Steve and our guest, we have Matt Krieg. Hello. A couple weeks ago, Steve, you were our resident therapist and you were taking care of us emotionally. Emotionally, I was just listening to that one. But Matt is back, and so we all feel better. <laughs> Additionally, we have author, speaker, mom, hospitality expert, and coming to us all the way from North Carolina, Rosaria Butterfield. Welcome. Thank you. When you said, who is that extra voice? I thought you were talking about my son, and I was just shooing him out of the dining room. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no, get out of here. No, okay. no. You... I thought you meant us. Yes. I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm just I'm just a, a disaster, but I'm I'm consistent with my with my disaster. So that's all. Nice. Well, you're doing it. That's something not yeah. a lot of us are doing. And I loved how you ended the book that way with just do something. Um, so I just wanted to say too, I addressed this at the end of the last podcast too, is I know that Rosaria can be a controversial figure out there in this mm-hmm. sexuality, gender conversation. And, um, I just wanted to a- address that. So Rosaria and I met through, I was writing for an organization and got some feedback and I was like, uh, I ended up not writing for them and there was a miscommunication between us. And to be honest, I, I fought with my own flesh. Like I wanted to, in the midst of that honest miscommunication, I'm not even using that in like a nice Jesus-y Christianese way to be like, there was like a brawl. <laughs> it was really like, it was a miscommunication. <laughs> I don't remember that brawl. If I there was know. a brawl, I, I missed it. Lord. I didn't know yeah. it was not there. It was actual. And, but I wanted to like use that in, in, um, be justified in my bitterness, but I genuinely love Jesus and the Holy Spirit is real and just convicted me to be like, make it right. No matter what, Lori, go follow up. And so we emailed and we talked and there are areas in this sexuality, gender conversation where we disagree, but I found in our talking that there was a humanity put to you and to me. And I was like, Wow. Like you're really running toward Jesus. And, and I was really grateful for where we agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So to those of you who are listening and maybe shocked that I'm talking with Rosaria, or maybe some of you are listening, like Steve, you were like, I have no idea why people are shocked. Yeah. Like some of you might be, <laughs> and that's great. And some we'll of you- will later, Steve. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> another day. But some of you might be grateful if you are familiar with some of the controversy in this conversation, you might be like, oh, I'm actually really maybe surprised Lori is, is including a lot of people who agree on the- the, the theology of gender and, and sexuality as far as God's design for marriage is one man and one woman for life. But um, for those of you who may be shocked in like turning this podcast off or already have, I just, I just want to say that there's only one winner when we fight over the minutia. And I really think that's the enemy of our souls. And as I have uh, the privilege of traveling some around the country in Rosaria. I know you do too. I, I'm i like watching the, the lines in the sand get drawn deeper between those who believe in an affirming worldview, 
that God affirms same-sex marriage and those who don't, like that gets bigger. But then we're fighting each other on the side who agrees. And I'm like, come on, guys, we got to band together. So I am, even by demonstration, like having someone like Nate Collins and Greg on this podcast and having Rosario and having Preston Sprinkle next week, I want to demonstrate how how and where we can agree so that mm-hmm. we can preach the gospel. And that's, yeah, I'd love for you to, to jump in if you want to there, Rosaria. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, and I think there's a very important difference between putting a church together and putting a community together. Hmm. So I, I think that the things that, you know, the things that maybe one denomination might consider minutia, another mm-hmm. might consider to be, uh, you know, deeply important, a deeply held belief. Yes. And I want to respect that and you want to respect that. Right. So one of the challenges I think that Christians have is to realize that not everything is church. Hmm. And so, Lori, I mean, I genuinely don't think you and I could put a church together, but if we (laughs) couldn't put a community together, Hmm. how good are we? Right. Well said. That was right on. So, and I think that that is going to be a theme, Lord willing, that we'll see in this podcast is what's it mean? What's What are the elements of making a community and, and how can we demonstrate that even in our ability to talk on this podcast and in and, and our ability to talk through to to follow Matthew 18. And if there's disagreement, instead of going and blogging about it, why don't we go to the person? And yeah. and can I, let's maybe clear this up or, or even if it's not a clarifying, at least it's a humanizing conversation. So yeah. I'm Agreed. sure, I'm sure we'll get into that more too, just how you're practically doing that um, in your own home, which um, Matt and I, again, we're talking today in, in his reading your book today and mine, uh, reading it last week, just how powerful that is and how gospel it is. But before we do that, we're going to do our question of the week from last week and then move to Goofball Island and then we'll get back to the heart of the matter. But the question of the week from last week is is just touching this hospitality piece, which is what do you grow up thinking about hospitality? Like when that word came to your mind, if it did, like what were the images it conjured? And I can start and I think it would be, I just picture like lemonade in like boxed brownies in like a nine by 13 (laughs) in church basements, like lots of church basement Mm. fellowshipping, (laughs) if that's a thing. The word fellowship was thrown around. I had no idea what it meant, but it had something to do with hospitality. Anyone else? Uh, Well, I think more of the like Southern hospitality. Yeah. You know, and, and to me that, that often has this connotation of like breaking out the, the good plates, <laughs> you know, the, the fine China, the, the, the non-plastic silverware to, to feed, feed guests and everything. So uh-huh. it seemed almost like a, uh, put it almost like a falsehood. Yeah. Um, that, that yeah, you put, you put on your, your Sunday best, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and then you, you pretend you, you clean everything up and, you know, get it spick and span for, for when guests come in. Yeah, for me, um, similar, kind of along those lines. But for some reason, I, in my you know early kind of uh, interaction with that concept, it was connected to my mom. It seemed like it was a mom thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. like oh, help, absolutely, you got to help mom clean up the house, dust, vacuum, while she <laughs> is busy in the kitchen getting, yeah. you know, this banquet ready for whatever guests we have coming over. 
Um, and they were people that we didn't know very well. For some reason, I don't know why hospitality applied to people that you're just starting to get to know versus yeah. like your good like huh. friends that you do something regularly with. For them, it's not hospitality. For them, it's just like we're hanging out. Yeah. But huh. um, yeah, hospitality seemed to kind of have this formal kind of feminine connotation for me. Huh. Yeah. How about you, Rosaria? Wow. You know, this is one of those moments where you could just tell I was not raised in <laughs> church. You know, yeah. I just wasn't. And I wasn't really raised on the right side of the tracks either. So hmm. um, I, I had, I mean, I just really hadn't uh, encountered the concept of hospitality until I had come out as a lesbian and I was living in New York and the, the AIDS crisis, this is in the 90s and the the um, late 80s, early 90s, and the AIDS crisis had um, just washed through our community. And mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, the the old boundaries between people, they, they we just couldn't keep them up anymore because we had a mm-hmm. crisis to face. Mm-hmm. And so uh, fairly immediately after that, almost all of our homes became open every night of the week, not every night of the week, but everybody's home was open one night of the week. So my partner and I, we were, we were Thursday night. Hmm. Um, and, and the purpose was just so that nobody in our community would have no place to go if they were grief stricken. Uh, because, you know, it was just, it was a time of, of a kind of washing grief. Hmm. And so that was really my, my first uh, experience with hospitality and it wasn't it had you know there is never a doily I, I don't even know what a doily is I, <laughs> yeah. I mean I think I think I do and I, and I think it's crocheted but but you know don't don't quote me on it right um, you know it was it was desperate and it was edgy and it was uh, raw and it was regular and it was wide open and that's what I think of when I think of hospitality and, and then later, much later when I um, committed my life to Jesus, it seemed very much to me like that's what he had in mind with hospitality hmm. too. And so, um, you know, it just seems so strange to me that the way that the church, you know, I mean, it seemed to me that the church on the one hand really values hospitality and genuinely so, right. But, its practice of it was very, um, it, it was, it was like a starvation diet, you know, well, you know, once a month we're going to have this fellowship meal and right. mm-hmm. the A through M is going to bring something. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've never put a can of cream of mushroom soup in anything in my life. I don't even know what, you know, what do you do? How do you do that? Why would you do that? Very gross. Um, <laughs> so I'm just a real fish out of water when it comes to a, a Christian understanding of hospitality, but but um, but but the scriptures command for it, right. and mm-hmm. it, it, its joy of it, and its rawness about it, mm. and the way that Jesus travels through it, and the risk of it, the both the saying yes and the saying no. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm reminded, Rosaria, uh, as you describe how you experienced community that reminds me of like the first century church, like mm-hmm. the very first group of believers were mm-hmm. doing that. And they also right. 
faced grief all the time. They were being mm-hmm. persecuted. They were shunned from their community that they had been a part of. Right. And so they really needed each other to, to lean on. And I mean, right. so I mean, that's right. interesting that you describe it that way, because that's what where my mind goes. Yeah. You know, and no, it's interesting, too, because no one in my community, in my lesbian community, we we you know, we were not Christian. We 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 sort of abhorred the use of um, of religious language to describe what we were up to. Mm. So it, it was vastly different in that we were not, you know, we were very explicitly not following something bigger and better and brighter and mm. beyond us. Mm. But I think that as the church is moving, um, well, let me put it this way, as the world is mm-hmm. moving into more and more of a post-Christian world, right. I think that the church is going to be finding ourselves maybe sooner rather than later waking yep. up and living very much like the early church in Rome. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, and at that point, I think we need to really, I, I, you know, I think, I think if we think we're living in a post-Christian world and it will be coming, it will be more so that reality, mm. then I think it's time to start living differently. Yep. Yep. And, so that's really the, the, you know, that's the emphasis of, of what I do now. But I always tell people that I learned my hospitality gifts in my LGBTQ community. And you know what? I'm a Presbyterian. I'm not a Baptist. So mm. you should be really thankful for that, right? <laughs> you should be starving. You know, you'd be, you'd be sucking on a saltine cracker. <laughs> so, so it, it, you know, there is much to be said for, um, for what it means to be a coalition in a in a scary hard time. Yeah. Mm. Well, we talk about being on mission here uh, to make mm-hmm. disciples, and we talk about how, like, when you're on a mission trip, it feels like you're all best friends by the end of five days, <laughs> and it's really like what you're describing. You guys were in crisis, and you're on mission, mm-hmm. and and in the Acts two church, they were in crisis and they were actually on mission. And so mm-hmm. I agree. We need to start putting these pillars in place mm-hmm. now for what co- is inevitably coming. Mm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's beginning and, and we're seeing it. Whatever it is, it's what well, we know. <laughs> we can read Revelation, you know, mm. whatever that timing God has for us. But it's I absolutely agree. And again, why your book was so convicting. But again, before we go there, let's take a vacation from our problems and go to Goofball Island, which if you haven't watched the movie Inside Out, this is where the main character, Riley, has this place in her mind where she is just goofy. And so we just recognize this conversation and Matt and I in general can just be very, very serious. And so we intentionally put these breaks in here uh, so that it's not all just sad and on mission and we got to go get them. We can laugh too. So the vehicle we are taking to Goofball Island is a jalopy. Which the reason for that is because I just remembered that word from Nancy Drew books that Mm. I used to read when I was a kid. And I really (laughs) like that word. And we're going old school, I'm guessing, with some of our two truths and a lie. So that's the game that we are playing, which we had to explain it to Rosaria because she didn't grow up in youth group world, which that's where you learn this game. (laughs) As we were saying before we start recording, where we learn to deceive each other with skill, which is just such a great... I can see why that would be very important for young Christian children. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, and you... Group. You should be 
put the rules out there for anyone else oh, who yeah. might not Go know for it, Matt. Matt so, so the, had his major in his his undergrad was youth ministry. So he's this, an expert. This was not a part of the classes that I took. But yeah. so the rules are you, you have three things that you say, three items, two of them truthful, one of them a lie. And then it's our job to try and determine which one is the falsehood. Yes. And Supposed facts about yourself. Yeah, right. Yes. Facts about yourself yeah. and then Thank one you. lie about yourself. Yep. Right. Okay. Do you want to start, Matt? Um, sure, I can start. Okay. So my three things. Number one. Yes. I'm left-handed, but golf righty. Mm. Okay. Number two, I want to go diving with sharks. And number three, I have spent hours of my life secretly planning my response to my family being attacked by velociraptors. <laughs> I think I already know, <laughs> but you guys guess. Uh, I'm going to guess your lie is that you want to go swimming with sharks. Okay. What about you, Rosaria? What's your guess? Oh, I love the velociraptor thing because the whole Jurassic Park thing is a, you know, it's really sacred in our house. So, so oh, good. <laughs> I just identify with you, Matt. That's exactly what I do. Oh, yeah, wonderful. You know, swimming with sharks. That just seems like what a crazy person would want to do. Yeah. Um, well, you, Lori, do you want to reveal the truth? <laughs> the truth is you're, uh, well, the truth, or the, lie, the lie, sorry, yeah, reveal the lie. The lie is that you, you, you are left-handed and you golf left-handed. I do golf. So it's not oh. right. Yeah. So I am apparently a crazy person because <laughs> I are. do That's, want to go really diving with sharks. Yeah. Sharks? I don't know Absolutely. why I believed the golf thing. Like, yeah. It was because it was pretty innocuous. It was just like really low key. Yeah. It and you maybe under knew, the radar. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he, I've literally looked at Matt and I'm like, he's probably sitting there thinking really deep thoughts about life. And I'm like, what are you thinking about? And he's like, I'm thinking about what would happen if a group of velociraptors came in and attacked the family right now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So well, there's, there's my good swimming with sharks. You really, you guys really need to make a vacation to North Carolina because yeah. our beaches are no kidding filled with them. Oh, oh my word. Ooh. We so. love North Carolina. We've said if we would move anywhere, we would go there. The mountains are gorgeous. All right. Mm -hmm. Rosaria, how about you? Let's go with you. Oh, are you ready? I'm Guys, I'm not funny. All right. I'm it's not okay. funny, but I'm right. going to try. You've I've been never, funny. You know, I've never been in youth group. Okay. But, it's okay. Here. You are accepted here. Okay. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. I love dogs. I have four children and I eat ice cream. Mm. I think I know the answer because I, oh, maybe I do because I read your book. Oh, do I? You talk. You know, that's right. It you was should, a very I, slipped in thing. Yeah. Mm. Oh. I, yeah. Okay. See? Okay. Well, I should yeah, guess then because yeah, yeah. I don't go have Steve. any advantage What's the lie? not having read the book. I, I feel like somebody... You know, with the level of hospitality that you have, you have to be an ice cream eater. That's my gut. So that's the uh, okay. So I think that's probably true. Um, and who doesn't like dogs? Come <laughs> on. I don't think you have four kids. Okay. I know you eat. You have to have lactate with ice cream. So I don't know. Ah, I yeah. caught that line. I caught that line too. Nice, Matt. Oh, see. <laughs> yes. High five. We just high fived. Should have read okay. the book. Okay. And then I know, yeah. I think that that one might be the, because I think you do have four kids, but I don't know if you've adopted more like at some point. And then <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't, and I do know you like dogs. So I'm going with the ice cream as the lie-ish. If you can eat it with lactate, that's what I would say. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I was actually going to go with Steve because you did mention at that one point yeah, you needed ice kids. cream. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then she does. And so eat there, it. I know there, I'm there is like the desire for ice cream. Seemingly, mm-hmm. you just have to go the extra the butter mile. pecan. The butter pecan. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and so, which yeah. one? Which one is it? I I do have I do love dogs. Um, I do have four children. Um, and I actually don't love ice cream because what it does to me. Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah. I feel you. It hurts. But, you know, <laughs> I guess that was, a, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just it's so a, new to this. It's okay. okay. Totally fine. It's all right. We're still going to give you your Awana badge. You were quite convincing. Yes. You group. So you have been, yes, here's your game Awana badge. Boom. Okay. Thank you. are welcome. Okay. Who's Steve? It's me and you. Okay. Yep. Go for it, Steve. Okay. All right. Uh, I could once play trumpet, piano, and guitar. Hmm. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, I had at one point, probably still not anymore, but I had Northeast Pennsylvania's largest baseball cap collection. And I have a special VIP card and I've had it since before movie pass existed, a special VIP card that gets me into a free movie every day. Wow. Um, I, believe the last one is true okay it was too um, many details you threw in there oh, and so oh, yeah. i think it was too accurate for it to not yeah, be true see, too yeah. specific i'm gonna go with the largest hat collection I, as the falsehood because who can, i just can't picture guinness is, coming to your house in is, pennsylvania without you already <laughs> well, sharing i don't this i didn't is, say it was guinness is like scranton approved. in northeast pennsylvania yeah that's where because you live. i know that's where you live but i don't i didn't know if that was like the the if it was like central Pennsylvania, if he's like really oh. splitting hairs here. Yeah. I'm going to go with the hat one. What are you doing, Matt? I'm going to agree with you on the hat. Okay. How about you, Rosario? I'm going to go with the movie pass because I think, I think if you had a movie pass, you'd be at a movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the new Avengers movie like five times, Whoa. five days in a row. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't uh, have a job. Okay. <laughs> So the lie, you're, you guys here are correct. The lie is the hat collection. I, I know did, you too well, I, man. I, 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 there, I went through a phase, though, where I wore a baseball cap, like, every day, and sometimes at night as well. Okay, Aww. so you had Northeast Pennsylvania's stinkiest That's baseball hat. That's right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Very nice. I love young Steve's stories. They're my favorite. <laughs> and Matt with his, both of your mullets. Yes. Anyway. Okay, here's mine. Okay, when I was 10, I tried out for a show on the Disney Channel and made it to final callbacks. When I was 11, I wanted a dog so badly that I took a poster of a puppy and trained, there's air quotes around that, the dog poster, how to sit, stay, and come. When I was 14, I learned how to drive in a 15-passenger van. Mm. Which Mm -hmm. one is a lie? Well, I, I don't know that you can train a picture of a dog to come. I said the dog dash poster. I didn't say that. I know. The dog poster. I'm, I'm going to let someone else guess first because I'm you pretty pretty confident yeah. I know the answer to well, this Well, I feel like they all could easily be true because of what I know of you. I was a voice actress with yeah. Steve for a decade or so yeah. on Christian radio. This yeah. is, again, all the things that you don't really always need to know about Rosaria, but maybe do need to know. How old were you? What was the age at the uh, of the uh, training the dog poster? Eleven. Oh, man, I'm going to say the Disney thing is false. Okay, Rosaria. I'm going to say the learning to drive at 14 is false. 
Yeah. Whether it's a 15 person passenger van or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve, I think you were, you were right. Okay. Really. So the, the Disney channel callback, I don't think it no, happened. No, I didn't. <sighs> Alicia and I, which is a mutual friend of ours, she would just joke about that. So I didn't try out for Disney. I did train quote unquote, a dog poster <laughs> in, cause I was so wanted a dog, but I have 11 siblings and adding a dog in the mix sometimes was mm. a bit loud. And that was the 15 passenger van. Yeah, yes. So I was like 14 and nine months was when I started learning to drive. So, <laughs> and you need like a special license now to drive those things but no throw the 14 year old with all of the kids in (laughs) oh man (laughs) okay so we are gonna take that jalopy off of goofball (laughs) island which i guess it's a flying one like what is old fly anyway i'm thinking of like bed knobs and broomsticks that one went in like the ocean chitty chitty bang bang yeah i mean i guess it was sort of a jalopy but it was very special those movies are such a trip yeah okay but we are moving on to the heart of the matter which we already did uh tap into this a bit but the reason that we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so, Rosaria, we asked this of all of our guests. When was the gospel first good news for you? And how is it even today? Like, how is it still ongoing? It's not just a past tense testimony, but yeah. how do you still need it? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, the gospel for me was very bad news until until it was good news. Right. And, um, and that sounds, you know, kind of strange, but that's that's just true. And and when it became good news, it was very complex good news. Hmm. So, um, and I and I wrote about that in a book that I published in 2012. But, but the gospel was was very confusing news, and the the gospel was at first very bad news, and then, and then at a certain point, after wrestling with um, with the Bible, but but also just being deeply blessed by Christian friends, being hmm. in the home of my Christian neighbors weekly, um, mm. being taken care of by Christian colleagues, really experiencing a very open and regular hospitality. Mm. That was very much the bridge that the gospel traveled on for me. And and it, it became good news when I realized that no matter how I feel and no matter how much I will lose, Jesus is who he says he is. Yes. And that he is alive and this this Bible is alive. Mm. And um and I his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Yes. And um with his help I can be faithful. Mm. Um, without his help I can't be that much right. I know. Right. And so that was, you know, that was Many years ago, it was almost two decades ago. So that's been, you know, that's been a while. Um, But the gospel is very much good news to me today in still a complex way, I would say, but in a much, in a much more open and capacious way. Hmm. And, um, you know, for my husband, Kent and I, the practice of what we call almost daily hospitality is one of the great joys of our gospel life. And, and over the years, we've learned two things that make it even more of a joy. We've learned that when you take great risks to love people across differences, 
the Lord meets you more than halfway there. Hmm. And, and that if there's a risk to saying yes to, um, especially to strangers. And in the book, I talk a little bit about this. I yeah. talk about adopting teenagers out of, you know, really hard situations. And, hmm. um, I, and then, and also I talk about, well, you know, there's also a, times when you say no. And one of the things we've learned is that it's riskier to say no than to say yes. So mm. one of the things that the gospel in in great joy has given me is it disarms my old senses of um, of comfort. Mm. Um, you know, and, and finally, I would say that the great joy of the gospel is is also seeing people come to faith, mm. seeing Jesus uh, that that gospel bridge into someone's life, yes. seeing it walked on, mm. and even having your own life and your own home function as a bridge that gets walked on. Right. And um, there's mm. also something very powerful about suffering. And you mentioned this before, Laurie, about suffering for Jesus, about not having to defend my rights to myself. Right. But leaving that for Jesus to do. And and so for us, this practice of, of daily, regular, open hospitality has been one of the ways that we see the, the Lord working in our table fellowship. And it's very ordinary. You know, we call ourselves the boring, boundaryless butterfields. You know, very, <laughs> it alliterates, which, you know, gives very you this. But really, I, I, you know, both Kent and I um, are, you know, until very recently with the conversion of our youngest children, we were the only believers in our extended families. And so mm-hmm. there's a loneliness to that. And, right. and the church gathering together daily and then opening its arms wide mm-hmm. and meeting strangers and and inviting strangers to be neighbors and meeting neighbors and inviting them to be family of God and seeing the way the Lord blesses in that way, that fills me with enormous joy. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. Because you're hearing elements, which I think are just themes of this podcast of suffering and still going through it. Like you're walking through a tornado and you're like, I don't think I'm ever going to get out. But then there's this shocking joy that you find in the midst of, of pouring your life out like a drink offering. So when I was reading your book, I, there were times like I just wanted to weep because you were extremely vulnerable. And I heard you speak maybe a year and a half ago. And, and I was like watching you and I was like, come on, Rosaria, there's more in there. I wanted you to get even more authentic and vulnerable because when I speak like, and, and on this podcast, if you listen to it, we're, we're pretty gritty, we're pretty authentic yeah. and we're intentionally so. Like, we're not just like, here's everything, but it's, we we, we try to open our, unzip some pieces of our heart just because right. it draws people in. And so I loved that. Was that a challenge for you to like put that in there? Or was it just a challenge to push the publish button, metaphorically speaking? <laughs> you know, it, it, this was, this has been the book that has been on my heart to write mm. for years. Yeah. And so the, the other two books had a narrow, I felt a narrow audience and a narrow purpose. Right. So the first book was really written to my older children. Hmm. 
because when you adopt children at the age of 17 out of foster care, their lives have been grueling and hard. And it, it occurred to me that I looked all cleaned up and I wanted them to know that I wasn't. Hmm. So I had a very limited audience for that book. And then the second book, Openness Unhindered, was, you know, it it really dealt with a very, um, you know, I would say a kind of minor conversation that comes up literally everywhere I go. So that was more of a, um, I guess, more of like a teaching platform. Um, I also wanted to work through these questions of sexual identity and union with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote that book in part because I was trying to figure out where I needed to land on these things. Right. So, and, and, you know, when I, when I wrote that book, I, I, um, my research assistant for that book was someone who disagreed with me. Hmm. So, Hmm. you know, my my research assistant was someone who identifies as a gay Christian Mm -hmm. and lands, uh, now in a very different, uh, theological place than, than she did before. And then, and that I do. And Hmm. so, that was important to me if it was going to be a controversial subject to have someone who disagrees with me up very close. Hmm. Um, so th- those were, you know, that was a bit more of an academic book, but this book is my heart. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't really feel like I need to write another book. I mean, I, I really, <laughs> I, I really do. Like, I just, I feel like I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't birth. really have anything more to say. <laughs> I said it, and now I'm going to go live it. I said it, and now I'm going to go chop a lot of vegetables. You know? <laughs> right. um, well, it's it's interesting that you you talk about your research assistant because that was kind of what started this whole thing. You needed a research assistant who had different views than you, and you ended up running into this Christian family right. that that That's really right. showed you hospitality, and and right. that started to 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 change a lot of things. And now you you have this you know, fairly, fairly radical hospitality approach to life. And um, I think, I think the, the part of your book, which, I mean, obviously it's all still fresh in my mind since I read it today. um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But, but the, but part of it that was really just like, I found myself really getting drawn in was when you, when you told the story of when your house was broken into Um, and having that, you know, having spent a long time, engaging with, you know, hospitality and opening up your home to people. But then also you, you said that that was the time when it wasn't like you, are, you weren't giving anymore. You were receiving like this entire community of right. people that you had had in your house so many times right. were bringing, bringing life back to you basically. Right. Can right, I, right, right. can, before you respond to that, can I pause a second and recenter the the audience? So uh, what Rosario, now Rosario, correct me, but what you and your family, the Boundaryless Butterfield, but the boring boundaryless <laughs> Butterfields. Don't forget boring. Yeah, guys, boring boundaryless Butterfields do is, it, from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, is for the last 11 years, it's been pretty much every day this radically ordinary hospitality where you open up your home. This blew my mind. You open up your home every single day. And you, you, t- I love how you talked about both the very general, like, this is why we do this. But then here's the specifics. I wake up, I read my Bible, I spend this time with Jesus. I get filled up as an introvert because I've described some of what you're doing to other people. And they're like, but she's got to be an extrovert. I'm like, nope, I, I can read your words. I'm like, this is not an extrovert. This no. is an introvert. <laughs> but then you, you have these crock pots or whatever, however you do it. And you just, you do your Costco runs and you just say, everyone knows there's a standing invitation to your home. And so I, 
it blew my mind because Matt and I have been like trying to do the like, again, I just kind of laughing at ourselves, but we're trying to do the once yeah, a month, know. the once a month thing. We're calling it family dinner. But then um, That's right. it's you a start somewhere. It's a start. But I, I think we were starting to feel a little bit good about ourselves, And we're like having people live in our house. But like right. we were charging. Ooh. I'm just I just Ooh. my mind was getting blown by your radically ordinary hospitality. And so. Matt, you're saying it's not only just, so Rosario, I guess maybe just to jump on this whole thing, just, I guess, what are the the costs of doing this? What is this whole radically ordinary hospitality? And what are some of the gifts, kind of like what Matt was was saying with this, like, it's not only giving, there is some sweetness to it. So what is the oh cost goodness. and the gifts? It's, yeah, I, I feel like it's, I'm, I, I get more than I give. And one of the things I get is I get a Christian community that just unfolds in a daily way. Hmm. And my children get aunts and uncles and grandparents and, you know, and, um, and siblings. And Do you call them that? Like, so even if everyone's oh, not yeah. a Christian, it just it has this like yeah. essence of Christ likeness. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It is kind of funny because I would definitely say that you want to see this in two ways, or at least I do. You yeah. know, on the one hand, it's extremely important that the family of God live like the family of God. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that so many of the things that that go into our post-Christian world, so, so many of the things that have created this post-Christianity would not have happened if the the body of Christ lived like yes. the body of Christ. Yes. Amen. You know, Amen. But the fact that we have relegated people to crushing loneliness. Yes is is obscene you know it's simply obscene and so so the the brothers and the sisters are very much um and the aunts and the uncles are very much um the body of christ Mm -hmm. and and by the body of christ i don't necessarily mean that they're members of my church i mean some are and some aren't Mm. um but we are um we are we belong to each other and we belong to each other in a daily way. And we, we recognize that, um, first Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation will overtake you except for that, which is common to man. And God will give you the way of escape. We recognize that our homes are the way of escape, right? So if we are shut off to people, then we're complicit with whatever sin is going to overtake people. So, Yikes. you know, we the body must live like a body. And that means, that does mean communal living. And that has been wonderful. So that's wonderful. But then you have that base and then you easily add neighbors and, and strangers. And those are two importantly, those are two important categories that require some explanation. But mm. But what you what you do is is you have these regular times and people just know it, you know, because your invitation is open. Maybe they know it because you post something on the next door app. Right. You literally invite 300 households. And, you know, two things happen when you invite 300 households to your house. Um, first of all, there's the 10 percent rule. About 10 percent people, 10 percent of the people are going to show up. Which is probably good. Yeah. In some ways. Probably good. Yeah. But the other is that 100% of the people are going to feel loved. And they'll send you a private message that says things like this, like this. Hmm. I've never been invited to anything since my divorce. No no one knows that I can't get out of my house because of this problem. Or you get, you know, people actually 
tell you what the gospel bridge is to them. You know, yes. we, we say, oh, Lord, you know, convert my neighbors. But what's the gospel bridge? Mm-hmm. So so an open and the other thing that an open invitation does. So Thursday night around here is soup and prayer. Um, I make a couple of pots of soup. Um, we just invite everybody. People show up. Sometimes mm-hmm. people bring food. Sometimes people bring friends. Um, Kent's, um, you know, at a certain point in the evening, the kids send the plates up to the kitchen sink and then the Bibles and the coffee cups roll down and we have a short Bible study and then we pray. And, and, uh, you know, one of the things that's been really, I think, helpful about just having this regular Thursday night thing Mm -hmm. is that for your neighbors who are struggling with addictions Mm-hmm. or they're struggling with profound unsafety in their lives. Quite frankly, if you invite them, you know, on the fourth Tuesday of the month, they don't know if they're going to be sober or safe that day. Mm. They just don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you're actually asking them to, to know something that they can't know. Mm. But if you just say, hey, you know, every Thursday night, this is what we do. One of those Thursday nights, they're going to be they're going to be okay enough to come. Right. And and so I think that's also important that Christians are the most overly programmatic human beings I've ever met. <laughs> I've just never, you know, I just, yeah. I just never met people who feel like they've got to get all these details down before they can have a good time. It's so true. Okay. So, okay. But here's my programmatic person speaking. So is it just on Thursdays? where you do like some sort of Bible study and then all the other nights are just like hanging out. Yeah, no, no. Well, we have, you know, I homeschool these kids and, um, and so they're so thankful. They're so thankful that, you know, five 30 rolls around and, you know, one is beating his head against the the math table and the (laughs) other's, you know, beating her head against the piano. And they're just thrilled when people start to walk through the door because, you know, (laughs) a very important thing happens. I shut up. (laughs) Such a beautiful thing. See, you you are funny. Rosario, you're funny. Yep. It's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, people walk in and there's unfolded laundry on my table. And, you know, that's, it's amazing that even adults you don't know well know how to take unfolded laundry on your table and stuff it back into your dryer. It's yeah. astounding. <laughs> we are all, we are like hardwired. To do that. Hide it. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. So um, I think we've, so at pretty much every night of the week, um, except for actually tonight. So Wednesday is my homeschool co-op day and mm-hmm. we just don't get home until late. And then Ken's got a meeting at church. And so Wednesday is kind of our night that we don't have people over. Okay. But that doesn't mean the kids don't have kids over. Yeah. But pretty much every, every night I serve dinner at the same time and people start to wander in And it's not a big night. Thursday night tends to be Thursday and Sundays are our nights when we can, we can, you know, span three tables. Hmm. The other nights where um, we have a, a beautiful, large dining room table that that is always open to its largest size, and you can easily put about 14 chairs around it. Mm-hmm. And we usually have somewhere between 10 and 14. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it's, it's just, it's very nice. And then, and then when people get sick and tired of my cooking, um, <laughs> especially the singles in the church are yeah. lonely. They, they go out and get Chick-fil-A. There you go. And my <laughs> children are thrilled. You know, it yeah. is thrilling. 
when um, <laughs> when those things happen, right? It is. Oh man. So, I grew so, up with 11 siblings. McDonald's was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a, there's an ebb and a flow to it. Yeah. And there's also, it also means that when something happens and we have a kind of, you know, a little bit of an unusual ministry and, and right now is one of those times, it means that without asking for help, people start to gather around us and help mm. us. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful too. It means that you you know each other well enough to get some help. And you know, the other thing that's nice too is help isn't necessarily only something that your Christian friends can do. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, to to exchange resources like this with all of your neighbors, yeah, is that takes a certain amount of intimacy and yes. trust. Yep. And and risk. And those are all good gospel bridges. Yep. There's a certain vulnerability it takes to be loved and to be cared for. Yes, yes. And and I would say too that this is the moment where it is crucial that our words not be stronger than our relationships. Amen. And so so to have daily time with each other, daily non- um, like, I don't know, non-invited time, if that makes sense. Yes. It's like, you know, there's that difference between that beautiful 18th century occasional poem mm. and just opening the window and calling for help from a neighbor. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know what I mean? So, so to have time that's both regular, but ordinary with people mm-hmm. that really helps you build those strong relationships so that when questions, you know, do come up and they do come up, we, we read the Bible and pray every night and everybody knows that we do that. Mm. And my unbelieving neighbors, they are of course allowed to leave. I mean, you know, it's not like we super glue people to the chair, Mm. but mostly they don't. Mm. And so, you know, the Bible raises hard things, but when you, when your friends, friends can talk about hard things. Mm. Strangers, not so much. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it reminds me because um, as a counselor, I've got some some clients that I work with, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of them, the ones that are single, well, they struggle finding community, and so it's it's interesting hearing you say like the the, and I forget how you just said it. The word your words can't be stronger than your relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of them are they have this craving for like a depth, a depth relationship where it's, as Lori and I would call it kind of a scuba diving relationship where you go deep, <laughs> deep into the waters. Um, yet a lot of times when they're looking for that, the relationships, the, the other people in the relationship aren't ready to go past the shallows. Yes. And, and so it, it, what you're saying kind of is just triggering with me because I'm like, how can I portray the idea that yes, that deep relationship is is absolutely vital and is a very good thing, but sometimes you 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 can't just dive right in there. You have to you you have to have an ebb and flow and a build up to it. And and, and I would say ideally, <clears throat> you know, we're in a good place at this point because of the ages of our children to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, because back when our children were young, you know, when you're trying to put children to bed at seven thirty, this doesn't work so well. Yeah. <laughs> So let me just say, because it just doesn't. But um, but what I would say, too, is not only is it 
the receptivity issue, but it's the safety issue. So when married couples and singles and children are all at the table, there's a safety factor in mm-hmm. our difference. Mm-hmm. We're not going to develop unholy crushes on each other. Mm. We're not going to develop um, un, uh, unmitigated codependence on each other. Mm-hmm. We're going to have intimacy that's real intimacy. And I think sometimes we live in a world where people think intimacy is really exciting. Mm. And I think what people need to know is actually intimacy is pretty ho-hum. Mm. But what it is, is it's regular. Right. And right. what the church offers you isn't necessarily something really exciting. Mm. It doesn't offer you visibility for every problem you have and every identity you, you want to claim. Mm. But what it does offer you is belonging. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we belong to each other even when we disagree. And we belong to each other even when we're not really fond of how each other might handle a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And because we gather nightly, we don't, we don't have a whole lot of time to build up a sense of mistrust. Mm-hmm. But what does concern me about some of the creation of community that does not happen with this kind of diversity is it can really set people up to fail. It can set them up to fall into the kind of love that is hopeless and and even harmful. And so I think the people who are really not going to like my book are those married couples who feel strongly that their home is not an embassy, but a castle. Right. Hmm. And, you know, that there's that white carpet, you know, mm-hmm. that God forbid, you know, anybody spill, you know, <laughs> yeah. tomato juice on because that, <laughs> ooh, you know, that would be bad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think those are the people who just are going to hate this idea. And I know that because I know them. Mm-hmm. Right. These are my, in many ways. This is the people that God has given me to shoulder shoulder up to in the church. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, self-confession, like we, we are them, at least it, I'm talking for me and Lori, like that's something that we have to fight because we simultaneously want to do community, but simultaneously want to have our house be our refuge. Yeah. Right. And, and right. there's... You can't, it can't, you know, it, it, it needs to be everybody's refuge. So hmm. there's 400 million questions I want to ask. <laughs> Honestly, there's... I have to move to North Carolina. Yes. The weather's better and Matt can swim with his sharks. I know, exactly. And we can hike to our heart's content. That's right, all year round. Yeah, so I'm trying to pray and be discerning right now of what okay. our listeners need to hear. But my sense is is really that question about what about the kids? Because that's something that I will get as Matt and I have tiptoed is all I'm going to talk about into this inclusivity, like trying to be more opening up our home and challenging the church, even like talking about this castle idea and worship of the nuclear family. So what about the kids? I love what you said about that. So what about them? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, as parents, we are, we are absolutely called by God to protect our children. Mm. But I don't think we should think that sheltering them actually will accomplish that. Mm-hmm. We'll protect them. Yeah. But you are called to protect them. So one mm. of the ways we protect them is when we are having um, 
a more open moment. Like, you know, right now we have a displaced family living with us. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're at this point not working with an agency, although I love the agency Safe Family. So they mm-hmm. are they're kind of orbiting around us, giving us some little tips, but we've been, you know, we have been doing this for years. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, you know, we had to all review the rules that we are new to each other, that no one is in your bedroom, but mom or dad, Mm. Um, no one is in the bathroom with you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the age of my children, please close the door when you use the bathroom. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Please flush the toilet. You know, I have children (laughs) who are very pro water conservation, apparently. (laughs) They don't know it. And, you know, so you want to do that. And, you know, also when it's, somebody you don't know. I mean, Kent and I put the, we put the wallets away. We put the keys away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't make a big deal about that. We don't have alcohol in our home in part mm-hmm. because we have a home studied home that's available for, um, incarcerated people who are on a furlough. Okay. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you, you, you live in your home and, and there are certain toys you don't get to have, but, but definitely you want to tell your children Remind them of the of the boundaries of their person. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that you want to remind them is that the sin that will undo them is their own. Yeah. And you know, we don't we don't personally think that we are better than um, our neighbor who was a meth addict. Mm-hmm. Or um, our, our neighbors, our friends who have been displaced and have no home. Mm-hmm. We really don't. I mean, we actually see ourselves, you know, in these other image bearers of a holy God. Yeah. And so one of the things that's true for us is that our children have seen people come to Christ from these far away places. And, and our children know that Jesus is not some prop you pull out for Sunday morning or youth group. Right. And they know it in a vital way. Mm. And, you know, we're, we're really called to measure our comfort against God's word. And we're called to measure our fear against our faith. And we're called to measure our limitations against our opportunities and we're called to measure our boundaries against Christ's blood. And that's true for us and for our children. Mm -hmm. And over the years, our children have, you know, the other thing our children know is that we don't have this weird thing called family time. I mean, we do have family time because my poor children are homeschooled by me. And they (laughs) They just it. (laughs) Like those poor things. But, you know, we don't we would never say, oh, you know, it's it's mama's birthday. You can't have, you know, John over, you know, no, you know, we'd say, well, you know, tonight we were all going out for Thai food. Does he like Thai food? Mm-hmm. You know? So there's no like loss. There's like in the sense that no. inside Rosaria is like, but I just want my cuddly, cute little family. Like, because yeah, that's the no. fear. That's but the. My, I don't have a cuddly, cute little family. My family. <laughs> came, we, God put us together through hardship, through foster care, through adoption, Mm -hmm. through a primal loss before there was a powerful gain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're not called to be sentimental for something that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. 
You know, we daily Christians have to deal with the original sin that distorts and condemns us, Mm -hmm. the actual sin that distracts us, and the indwelling sin that manipulates us. And that's every minute of every day. This idea that there's somehow this perfect planet out there inside my heart is it's heresy. It is. Well, and it's it, it it's, speaks it's dangerous. To, doesn't it speak to a longing for heaven, but to pursue it is not it, well, I don't even know if it does speak for a longing for heaven because when you describe your home that is inclusive of people on a journey toward Christ likeness, right. I'm like that's heaven except we'll all be perfect. <laughs> like you all know, different it, types of people. We'll be sanctified. Yeah. We, we won't be sinning against each other, but right. it certainly is a good rehearsal. And again, I think one of the most crucial things that a hospitality home can do is make sure that that problem of crushing loneliness yes. from within the body of Christ yes. is not possible. Amen. What would happen if the watching world actually said, I don't get it, but the conservative Christians actually throw the best parties in town. Yes. I mean, I don't get it, but those are the go-to prop. Those are the go-to people with problems. And, mm. and what if people actually saw that, that church membership gave people something vital? Mm. And, you know, the passage that, that has always, there have been two Bible verses that have been really crucial for me in the, in the writing of this book and in the thinking through, you know, one is in the gospel of Mark and it's Mark 10 and it's um, 28 to 30 and it's and it's where peter says to jesus you know look we've we've lost everything to follow you Mm. and you can tell he's scared you know because once you lose it it's not there anymore Mm -hmm. that's the thing and jesus says truly i say to you there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, mm-hmm. houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Now, I tell people to underline that line in your Bible, that line 30, receive a hundredfold. Yeah. That is a promise from God. Mm-hmm. And it says that if you are a member of that Bible-believing church, you are part of the family of God. It says that the blood of Christ is thicker than the blood of biology. Mm. It says that you will never have to worry about where you're going to live or with whom you're going to share your birthdays or Christmas or Thanksgiving. And that hundredfold is not going to drop from the sky. It's not Ephesians. This is not about every spiritual blessing. I'm all about (laughs) spiritual blessings. I love them. But this is really practical. Yep. And, and that's why I do believe that the gospel needs to come with a house key. And if it doesn't, it's really only half the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think that if the watching world had seen the church living like this, I think a lot of our discussions yep. would have gone really differently. Yep. And I think this is our fault because mm-hmm. I think we're not doing this. No, you mm-hmm. are so right. And this is a great place to to land the plane. And I am just so grateful that, Rosaria, that we had those conversations. And thank you. By the grace of God, I was obedient to just follow up with you to clear the air so that 
I could share this beautiful heart that you did in this podcast and then also in your book with our listeners. So just thank you so much. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. So I, I had a, a question of the week, but I, I just, I feel personally convicted. And so I would love to hear from you all just what, what's the next right step that you can take is, as far as pursuing hospitality. And maybe it is making that nine by 13 of brownies <laughs> lemonade, but maybe it's inviting your next door neighbor over to share it with you. And, and maybe it's giving someone a house key. Maybe it's just listening to this podcast and starting to pray for your neighbors. And we need each other. We need to be able to create this community, especially as, as it seems like it's getting darker in the world. So let's just shine brighter together. Um, additionally, I we rescheduled Preston Sprinkle to be on next weekend. So if you have questions for him, um, we can talk through some of those. I got a couple from you all. So feel free to send those to us as well. Um, and again, Rosaria's book is The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Go read it and get it. Uh, just share it with people and get convicted like like we did, even if you don't agree with every single thing, you guys, the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so let's lean into where we agree and let's lean into this good news. So thank you so much for listening, for all of us here, for Rosaria and for Steve and for Matt. Just thanks so much. And we will see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today. And another special thank you to our guest, Rosaria Butterfield. Learn more about her, her books, her ministry at rosariabutterfield.com. The new book, again, the title is The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Hey, if you're not yet subscribed to this uh, podcast, let me again encourage you to uh, subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and then leave a favorable review or at the very least a rating. That'll help us reach more listeners. And you can do the same in your regular everyday conversations with your friends and family. Let them know about the whole In My Heart Ministries podcast. And if you want to answer our question of the week or if you want to interact with us, just encourage you to go to our website, himhministries.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.